The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. So glad that you have joined us on this New Year's Eve Sunday. I want to share with you this morning one of my favorite psalms that I think is the perfect psalm for New Year's Eve. Because this psalm is all about looking back and looking ahead. It's all about what God has done in the past, what God will do in the future. And for some of you, as you go into this new year, into 2024, some of you are the kind of people who like to choose that one word that you're going to make your word for the year. And I want to just suggest to you that maybe today that this psalm has a word for you. Because right at the center of this psalm is the word joy. And friends, God has created us in and for joy. One of my very favorite preachers and writers, Frederick Buechner, puts it this way. He says, God created us in joy and created us for joy. And in the long run, not all the darkness that there is in the world and in ourselves can separate us finally from that joy. Because whatever else it means to say that we are created in his image, I think it means that even when we cannot believe in him, even when we feel most spiritually bankrupt and deserted by him, his mark is deep within us. We have God's joy in our blood. God has created us in joy. He's created us for joy. And the the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so this psalm this morning, I believe, has brilliant insight for us as to how we live in that joy, how we find that strength in the Lord. But before we look at the psalm, I just want to acknowledge the reality that I know some of you may be hearing this set up and saying, yeah, but Barry, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the pain that I'm experiencing in my heart. You don't know the grief that I'm walking through in my life. You don't know the hardships that I'm experiencing, that my circumstances right now preclude me from experiencing joy. If that's you this morning, I think you'll be glad to know that this passage, this psalm, in no way minimizes the reality of suffering. It in no way minimizes the reality of pain. In fact, it's very honest about it. And yet it reminds us that we can experience joy even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain. It reminds us that ultimately this joy that comes from the Lord is not tied to our circumstances. It's not rooted in our circumstances, but in who God is and how God demonstrates his faithfulness in our lives. So if you have your Bible with you, I would invite you to join me in Psalm 126, Psalm 126, this beautiful passage that helps us understand what it means, what it looks like for us to live in joy. And before I read the passage to you, I want to just make some observations. You can glance down the page or on your screen and see a couple things. This psalm is six verses long. It's a short psalm, six verses long. The first three verses all look back. 
They have an orientation to the past. The, the second set of three verses all look ahead and have an orientation to the future. And then right smack dab in the middle is this line. We are filled with joy. And so the psalm is gonna show us that, that living with joy in the present requires a proper perspective on the past and a proper orientation toward the future. The psalm is gonna show us that, 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 that we live in joy between memory and expectation. So let's look at the passage together this morning. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. There was, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying their sheaves with them. A little six-verse psalm, three verses looking back to the past, three verses looking forward to the future, and right smack dab in the middle, we are filled with joy. Now, to understand what's going on in this psalm, to, to, to get the force of it, you have to understand something of the historical background of the psalm. This psalm is one of the later psalms in the history of God's old covenant people. This is a psalm that is written after the people of Judah have returned from 70 years of exile in Babylon. That in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar um, from Babylon came into to Judah, uh, laid siege to the people, um, attacked the city, tore down the walls, and turned the temple of God into ground zero. The holiest place on earth turned into a pile of rubble. And the people then taken away into exile for 70 long years. But after 70 years, God was faithful to his promise. God did what he said he was gonna do. God brought his people back to their homeland. And that's what's being celebrated at the beginning of the Psalms. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. This is a dream come true. It's, it's too good to be true. Pinch me. Is this real? They're celebrating the reality that God has kept his promises. God has been faithful to his people. And it's, it's almost too good to be true. Our, our mouths were filled with laughter. And we sang songs of joy. And, and even Israel's neighbors noticed, right? Verse, uh, verse two, the middle of that. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then the, the people say, yes, the Lord has done great things for us. And we fill with joy. They look back and remember, God was faithful to fulfill his promises. And I think for us to be people who live with joy in the present requires this kind of proper perspective on the past. It requires us to look back and to cultivate a deep sense of gratitude. You see, the, the, the Bible repeatedly calls us as God's people to be people characterized by joy, people who rejoice 450 times in the scriptures. It tells us to have joy or to rejoice and yet the reality is joy isn't necessarily the default operating system in our lives. It's something that we have to choose, something that we have to fight for, something that we have to deliberately pursue. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians in Philippians 4.4, 4, says, rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again, I say, rejoice. And I think a very legitimate paraphrase of that statement could be choose joy again and again and again. Do we have to choose joy? Do we have to fight for joy? That we have to deliberately cultivate joy in our lives? And we do that by looking back and practicing gratitude. You had the opportunity, uh, perhaps like uh, many of you do, to spend some time in this break between Christmas and New Year's looking back on the year behind, to look back on 2023. And I have some questions that I use each year at the end of the year to kind of close out the year. And it's kind of some typical questions about accomplishments from the years past, struggles from the years past, as well as just some things that are really kind of fun to think about. To think about what was the, the, uh, your happiest moment of the year? What was your favorite place that you visited this year? What was the best meal that you had this year? And I just, I spent time just writing uh, in my journal, writing in my notebook, capturing some of the ways in which I can see the hand of God in the good things that I experienced in my life this last year. This last year was filled with some challenges, with some setbacks, with some difficulties, and yet it meant so much to look back and to remember the good things. I, I, I wrote about um, spending time with the monks at Christ in the Desert Monastery in New Mexico. I, I, I wrote about camping along the Arkansas River with my boys and taking them whitewater rafting. And then on that same trip, spending two hours in line in the rain to take my boys to see one of their favorite bands at Red Rocks outside of Denver. Um, I wrote about uh, watching my son Pearson wear his Spider-Man mask with his cap and gown as he walked across the stage to receive his <laughs> diploma, right? Pastor's kids, you gotta love them, right? I just thought about these moments along the way. One of the questions in my reflection is, what are the moments from this year that you would want to tell your children or your grandchildren about? And it was just so meaningful to spend time looking back and recognizing the hand of God on my life. And friends, I think that for us to choose joy, to, to fight for joy, to cultivate joy, requires the deliberate practice of reflection and gratitude. And it's interesting because scientists are actually verifying what the Bible has told us all along, that, that you find more and more studies that are confirming this truth. That one study that I found from UCLA Health that um, was based on the um, review of 70 different studies that included responses from 26,000 people reflected a deliberate practice of gratitude has demonstrated to help lessen levels of depression, lower anxiety, support heart health, heart health, relieve stress, and improve sleep. Anybody else could use a few of those things in their lives? Scientists are telling us what the Bible has told us all along, that this is good for us. It's almost like God wired us this way. A practice of gratitude that brings joy in our lives. I have a, uh, a journal that I use, and this has been one of the spiritual practices for me this year that has really made a significant impact. A journal that I use that each day prompts me to just think of three things that I'm grateful for and record those in my journal. And some mornings, quite frankly, it's, it's um, a pretty mundane, right? I'm drinking an Americano, and I'm really grateful for this Americano this morning, right? And some days it's much more profound when I think about the different ways in which God has demonstrated his faithfulness in my life. But for us to live 
with joy in the present requires a proper perspective on the past. Because all joy that is true joy has a history, has memory, and is marked by a profound sense of gratitude. I would encourage you as you move forward into 2024 to engage a deliberate practice of gratitude because living with joy requires that proper perspective on the past, a deliberate practice of gratitude. But but then the, the psalm turns, right? In the middle of that line, we are filled with joy is the hinge and then everything from here going forward is looking at the future. Look with me at verse four. The psalmist says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Now, what the psalmist is doing here is he's crying out to God, asking God to to show up, to move, to to surprise us, God, by your faithfulness. And the image that he uses is streams in the Negev. The Negev is a region in the south of Judah. Um, I've been there. It's a beautiful, beautiful place, but it is one of the driest, most arid places in all the earth, except in the spring when the floods would come, flash floods would come in the spring, and suddenly these dry uh, crevices would turn into flowing rivers. It can even get dangerous the way in which the the floods come so quickly to this dry ground and then begins to flow through the rocks. So what the psalmist is doing is he's reaching for this image that would have made sense to his uh, contemporaries in the past to restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. Show up in ways that surprise us, God. Because here's the reality is that even though God had demonstrated his faithfulness by bringing his people back to the land, they were facing some incredibly difficult circumstances. The temple was still a pile of rubble. The walls of the city had been torn down. Their fields had lain fallow for 70 years. That there was still some sense in which, yes, God, you have been faithful, and yet there's something deep in my heart that says, God, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. God, would you show up? God, would you move? God, would you surprise us? Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. And some of us are in those places right now, perhaps, where we can look back and say, yes, God has been faithful, and yet things are not the way they're supposed to be. God, I need you. I need you to show up in my life. I need you to move. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. And and then the psalmist switches metaphors in verse five from streams in the Negev to a farmer in the field. Those who sow with tears, verse five, will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying their sheaves with them. Now, I love this because this is that place where we see the psalmist being very realistic about the reality of hardship, about the reality of struggle, about the reality of suffering. Did you notice the the twice-fold repetition of this image of tears and weeping? Those who go out weeping, those who sow in tears. The, The psalmist talks about the farmer who's experiencing grief. And think about this. What's the image pointing to? Well, imagine that farmer in that context. Again, they've returned to the land, but the fields have lied fallow for all this time. And, and, and all they have, perhaps, with them to provide for their family is a bag of grain. And you could take that bag of grain and you could grind it up and make flour and feed your family. That bag of grain is a symbol of God's provision for you. And this would be something that you could 
find security in because you can feed your family with it. So imagine how difficult it must have been to take that bag of grain and rather than grinding it up to feed your family, take it into the field and throwing it in the ground. But this is, in fact, a profound expression of trust. God, I'm trusting that you're gonna provide. And the psalmist, to be sure, takes the reality of suffering very seriously. There's an interesting grammatical construction in the Hebrew. Sometimes what Hebrew will do is will repeat the verb twice in order to say, this is really gonna happen. You, you can bank on it. You can count on it. And here at the beginning of verse five, those who go out weeping, that literally it says, uh, going will go weeping, right? This idea that, that you can bank on the fact that there's going to be tears. You can bank on the fact that there's going to be suffering. And there are people very dear to me in my life right now who are going through some really hard stuff, some of them in this room this morning. The suffering is real. But what the psalmist says is, and so is the faithfulness of God. Because that same grammatical construction happens at the end of the verse. Those who go will go weeping. Those who return will return with songs of joy. You can bank on it. It's going to happen. God is going to demonstrate his faithfulness. God is going to take care of you. He's going to see you through this. You can bank on it. And for us to have joy, even in the midst of the reality of our struggle and suffering, is to hold on in trust, believing that it's true, that God will demonstrate his faithfulness. Just as joy requires a proper orientation to the past, gratitude, so too it requires a proper orientation to the future, trust. The Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa speaks profoundly to this reality when he writes these words. He says, discovering more joy does not save us from the inevitability of hardship and heartbreak. In fact, we may cry more easily, but we will laugh more easily too. Perhaps we're not perhaps we are just more alive. Yet as we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. We can have hardship without becoming hard. We can have heartbreaks without being broken. The suffering is real, the pain is real but so is the faithfulness of God. And therefore we have to trust him. Just as my life in 2023 has been marked by a daily practice of gratitude, so too in 2023, one of the most important spiritual practices for me has been the daily practice of surrender. And I'd love to say that I was perfect, batting a thousand every day, beginning the day with surrender. I'm not quite there yet. And yet, since my sabbatical, I can tell you more days than not have begun with this posture of surrender to God, using a a simple little prayer that I've shared with you before from Richard Foster. It says, today, O Lord, I yield myself to you. May your will be my delight today. May you have perfect sway in me. May your love be the pattern of my living. I surrender to you my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions. Do with them what you will, when you will, as you will. I place into your loving care my family, 
my friends, my future. Care for them with a care that I can never give. I relinquish to you, this is where it gets particularly challenging for you. I relinquish to you my need for control, my craving for status, my fear of obscurity. Eradicate the evil, purify the good, and establish your kingdom on earth for Jesus' sake. And sometimes I can pray that prayer as quickly as I just walk through it with you. And some days I can be there for 15 minutes on my knees, working through the details of the words that I'm praying along the way. But it's just a simple practice of surrender that says, God, I am trusting you with all of it. I can't control the outcomes. I can do everything that is in my power to do to steward what is mine to steward and then to surrender to you what is mine to surrender because I'm trusting you. And friends, I think for us to live with joy in the present requires a proper perspective on the past, the deliberate practice of, of gratitude, a proper orientation to the future, surrendering in trust to God. Because living with joy is living between memory and expectation. Will you join me as we pray? Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful for you this morning for the ways in which you have demonstrated your faithfulness in my life in this past year. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here in this room that, that, that they might find some time to spend time looking back and tracing your hand of kindness, of faithfulness, of provision in the year that's gone by. And God, I look forward with great anticipation to what you're gonna do in the year that lies ahead. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that we might look ahead with an eager sense of trust in your goodness, your kindness, your provision for us as we enter into this new year. And God, between memory and expectation, between gratitude and trust, that we would be people who live with joy, that we would experience your strength in our lives because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you for this truth. And God, now as we come to our time to respond, would you move in our midst so that each of us responds to you as a, as in a way that is fitting to the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now. And even as we come to the table, we look back to what Jesus has done for us in the past and we look ahead to the reality of his coming again. So thank you for this opportunity to respond to you now. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.